0: This podcast is brought to you by SalesFuel Hire, a platform to help companies hire smarter and flag 13 toxic employee types. Measure job fit, sales tendencies and motivators, decision-making abilities and empathy levels, and make your next hire your best hire. Try it now on salesfuel.com slash hire and use promo code MANAGE SMARTER for $50 off your first purchase. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage Smarter, hire, develop and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast.
1: Well, you know, Lee, it's not often that you have both an Olympic rower. And an equus coach on the same show, and that's today.
2: <laughs> what do you it's think? A, it's amazing. And one of them, though, was, was a marriage counselor at one point. And I think that what's interesting about the, about the two is like, uh, I think the similarities are uh, uh, between the, the rower and the former marriage counselor is that you know, for for relationships to work, you have to have both people have to have both well, people have to have both feet in the boat. They got to be ah. rowing the boat, and they have to be <laughs> rowing the boat in sync. And if, if none of those three things happen, or whatever, it, it's chaos. So it's like, uh, or it's or there's conflict, and I think that's what we're going to talk about today, right?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. Uh, I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel.
2: And I'm C. Lee Smith, the President and CEO of SalesFuel.
1: All right. So Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark, welcome to the show,
3: ladies. Are-, how are you? Great, this is Chris Marie. We're really excited to be here and love that introduction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was rowing. a little
1: chaotic, but we're good. We're in the boat <laughs> with rowing. I loved
4: you pulled it off there. You brought it around and made it make sense. Although I did see people standing up in a boat that was a little bit, and then I realized, oh, it still works for rowing really well. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell our listeners a little bit about you too. Uh, this is so impressive. Chris Marie Campbell is the Olympic rower, Susan Clark, former marriage therapist and equus coach. They are the authors of The beauty of conflict. I love that phrase. The beauty of conflict, everyone. Not
2: not the pain of conflict, the beauty of conflict.
1: (laughs) Harnessing your team's competitive advantage and the beauty of conflict for couples. So two different versions, two different audiences, but you might find both of them massively informative. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) They also have their own podcast with the same name. The beauty of conflict for dealing with conflict at work and at home as partners in work and life for over two decades, they've um, adapted their proven step-by-step process home, working with fortune 100 companies. Johnson and Johnson has had these two come in Microsoft, just little companies.
2: The San Francisco giants. That's going to be interesting to talk about. (laughs) 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 about Um,
1: (laughs) And helping long-term couples and also workplaces really use conflict as a Catalyst to greater intimacy, passion, and fulfillment, and teamwork. Right, guys. So, welcome to the show. I, I yes. can't thank you enough for showing up.
3: Super. Absolutely, and I love Lee when you were uh, you were saying um, it wasn't the it's not the it's not the fun of conflict. We didn't call it the joy of conflict. We did call it beauty because that has richness in it mm-hmm. and depth. And so often we we didn't learn how to deal with conflict so we tend to avoid it manage it diffuse it anything let let me get rid of this well we, that's where
2: i was going to start actually because a lot of managers that i know are actually conflict avoidant right mm-hmm. and you know i know some i know others of course aware well that actually create conflict but the, but more, more there's more often the case where they avoid conflict what's the danger of that
4: oh well often people think conflict is tough but the worst thing that can happen is when it's avoided because what it it really doesn't go away, it goes underground. And and what one piece you don't know about me, this is Susan. And and you know, my background also is I had uh, four different cancers when I was in my twenties. It's really oh, what wow. propelled me to do this work. And the thing that happened for me with the cancer was that's really I really came to understand the importance of letting the conflict surface and really getting right into it, because otherwise you don't get the brilliance of subject matter experts. You don't get the best of them. Um, And, you know, it it has to, sometimes it has to get messy before it gets better. And um, that's often what we're trying to help teams and leaders understand is, you know, you want that stuff up and out and you want to be dealing with it, because if it doesn't, you're going to not get the best of your the type of players you have on your
3: team. In fact, you're going to actually get more politics and mm-hmm. gossip and, mm-hmm. you know, turf mm-hmm. wars. And if, you're, if it's in a large enough company, then HR is really busy managing all these difficult personalities <laughs> versus the leader. So when you're saying a leader is conflict adverse, we actually do leadership development to help leaders develop the capacity to hold for those differences mm-hmm. and deal with that. Because, you're, you know, most of us just are so inc- uncomfortable in the midst of conflict.
2: Well, speaking of that, I'm just going to jump right into the uncomfortable part and ask this question. It's like, do, do men handle conflict differently than women handle conflict in general?
4: Well, I would say, you know, that if you had to kind of go with numbers, it may appear that way. Although I will say there are women leaders, um, men leaders, there's a difference between conflict and fighting. Hmm. <laughs> and sometimes men leaders kind of, we, we've worked in teams where someone says, oh, yeah, we're really good really good with conflict but when we've been in the room with them they're just going with whoever's the loudest and mm-hmm. and that is not actually really dealing with conflict and vice versa when women hold back their opinions and don't say what they want to say that's kind of it's you know it's either silence or violence and we think there needs to be something different and that's what we actually think of as conflict
3: and we've actually been working with, uh, we have a long-term contract where we're working with a Fortune 100 company with a high-level woman who actually has a style that people seem as abrasive. And then we've, <laughs> we've been coaching a gentleman who is completely conflict avoidant, and so he, he's unwilling. So it can definitely go both ways.
4: Although I will say very rarely, there's a, fa- this is Susan, a Fast Company article that talks about how frequently the word abrasive is used for women leaders, never used for men on 360 feedback, which is interesting, interesting. because mm-hmm. that to wow. me says something about how it's perceived of when a woman shows up. And, you and
2: you think it's an expectations stronger.
4: thing? I think it's something we've gotten used to, to assuming women aren't, we not we interpret women
3: as abrasive when they have a strong opinion mm. and that actually i mean we may expect men to have a strong opinion and and kind of go along with it because we're used to men leading and we follow in just our our evolutionary process and for women to actually take a strong stand and disagree may be more uncomfortable for many of us
2: well, i would suspect the term asshole would show up more on, it, on 360 <laughs> for men <so> I would, <laughs>
4: but, you know, interestingly enough, what they showed was yes, it does show up. I don't know if asshole, but close, close. <laughs> um, and, but the thing that the difference is that they actually see that as okay, but we can work with that. Abrasive on a woman usually leads to her having difficulty in maintaining the job, which is one of the challenges. And that's not just because men. Are interpreting that way, what other women mm-hmm. interpret it that mm-hmm. way, so we have these biases. And I've even worked with men leaders who are much more relational and different in their tone, and they get criticized for not being
3: strong enough, you know. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so it
4: is, sort of, we're kind of missing something there, and how we evaluate leadership. I think, you know, well, so we,
1: we often talk about the Uh, Lee, you've heard us say on the show, like, uh, is that the hill you really want to die on? Or Mm -hmm. would you want to be right? Or would you rather be happy? happy, I love that you guys coined the phrase, would you rather be right or relational? And that's (laughs) the place you start from. Mm -hmm. I love that.
3: Yeah. Well, and it's so, you know, we we get the gold star in school by being right. So we're kind of conditioned. But Mm -hmm. when I can be relational, this is Chris Marie, I can actually bring people along. Mm -hmm. And we wind up, Coming up with a solution that wasn't my idea, so my ego may not feel really great, but it's actually a better solution for the organization. It's usually more profitable. And if I hold on to my rightness, I really miss that opportunity.
2: I think sometimes for, you know, going back to men again, it's like, uh, you know, for us, it's, you know, sometimes it's about winning and it's like you, you don't want to win the battle and lose the war.
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And I, I mean, I think it, you know, I don't know, Chris Marie should probably address this because this is Susan, but she actually, as an Olympian, really does get that difference in sport between being a champion and being a championship boat. And what you just talked about is the very thing
3: that makes a difference there. And it's the same thing on teams. It's true. Like in uh, one, in, I was uh, on the national team and we had a boat that wasn't supposed to medal. And, but we really got along, trusted each other, dealt with differences. And we came out of nowhere, beating the Russians for the first time in 15 years, winning the silver medal. It was wow. awesome. Yeah. I think I
2: remember awesome. that one, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I was, it was exciting just to actually kind of see it. It's like, oh yeah, they weren't supposed to win. Like, holy cow, look at that. It was, like, yeah. <laughs> it was great. But
1: was the, 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 the intimacy, the word intimacy, struck me too in in doing my show prep that it it is actually involved in the workplace relations as well because you have to make yourself vulnerable because you say like if if Lee and I were fighting or or there was conflict for him to actually ask me the question why is this so important to you requires me to be vulnerable and go to a different level of intimacy in terms of explaining why I'm so upset or why I take this position, that would feel uncomfortable to a lot of people.
4: Yes. I mean, we actually have this, our, our most recent thing next to, you know, would you rather be right or relational is, you know, intimacy is the new vulnerability because okay. I know teams are so terrified of
3: that word. You use it and people miss. Well, they think it's about sex and we've, <laughs> we've actually defined it as into me see. So we break it down differently. Oh. So I'm, into me, see. So I'm willing to look inside of me and reveal it to you. And that cre- that opening of the kimono, which is an old phrase in business, is another version of it.
4: And yet it's critical to su- the success of your leadership, as well as to the success of how well your team begins to build trust and stay aligned, even in tough times, you know?
3: So- I mean, that's where the horses, Susan's the equus coach, and people are probably like, what? What's an equus, equus coach? What but is an equus coach? Why, I wait, actually looked look it up and there. I
4: read it. Yeah, I should have explained what it is. Go ahead. That's all right. Go <laughs> well, ahead, Susan. So the thing about horses is they are like, well, one, they're herd animals by nature. And so they rely heavily. They have a much higher EQ than us. In other words, they are constantly... Reading the environment, and they pick up things like heart rate, respiratory rate, how you're breathing. And, you know, the work I do with horses, it's all on the ground. So, uh, with a leader. With a leader. (laughs) And a leader would go into, say, a round pen or an arena, and their job is to develop a relationship with this horse who's at liberty. So the horse is moving around, and nine times out of 10, leaders um, begin to interpret the horse based, they start projecting out, trying to. Deal with the horse versus control it. control it. And the horse picks up whether that's congruent or not. Whether, mm. So if they're nervous and they're just faking it, that horse, for them, it's like, whoa, I don't, you don't even know yourself. I don't trust you. Because what they're looking for is real embodiment, which, frankly, people look for that too. But we've learned all these mechanisms not to give that kind of direct feedback. But horses will give you that direct feedback very quickly, and you know whether you're effective or not. And until you drop it, I've seen this over and over. Until a leader really drops in and understands that they have to really be, their insides need to match their outsides. That horse isn't gonna have much of anything to do with them. And so um, you know, that's when it. That's why it's so effective.
2: Is that why the bucking bronco runs alone?
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, just my own reason for the profoundness of this was that Chris Marie dragged me to a horse workshop. Now, I'm not a horse person by nature. I didn't grow up with them. And uh, I am the type of person who hates it when I'm at a leadership program and somebody doesn't volunteer. So when they (laughs) ask, you know, for someone who was willing to go out into this uh, arena with this horse, I said, sure. And as I, as I came down, I started listening to this horse that was bucking around whipping. I I was like, there's, and inside, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going in there. (laughs) But of course, like any good leader, I'm like, I'm going in. (laughs) That's what I said. (laughs) And I, but I, I walked out to the middle of this thing with this horse that was terrifying me. I didn't say any of that. I pretended like I knew what I was doing, you know, don't let them see you sweat. And the woman who was coaching me, she kept asking, she goes, how are you doing out there? And I'd be fine. I'm good. I'm good. I know what I'm doing. I'm good. And finally, I was near tears, and I looked at her, and I just said, you know, I have no clue what I'm, I'm doing.
2: Not fine. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not fine. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I'm I'm fine. Fine.
4: Honestly, I'm terrified. And she said, look at where the horse is. And everything had gone silent. And the horse, as soon as I had said that, had walked up and was right on my shoulder breathing, in my, you know, because all this, she said, this is the first time you've been congruent. Mm. And the horse, that's what the horse wants. Wow. And it was such a powerful thing. I was like, I gotta figure this out because this is what all leaders need to learn how to to develop.
3: And and so I trained with her, and and yeah. because the lead, the horse in that position off her shoulder is saying, I trust you as my leader. Yeah. I have joined up with you. Wow. Yeah. And what that's is- what. What we want people to do with us as leaders. Go ahead. Audrey.
1: Well, I was going to say, what does some of your clients? What happens when they get into that arena and they have they're lacking self awareness of like kind of what they're throwing off, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you know, the horse reacts and then they go,
3: oh my god, what? Why is the horse reacting this way? Yeah. Well, that's. that's what- Yes. And that's what's so powerful about this type of learning is that the horse reacts by, you know, either bucking or walking away or, you know, not, not wanting anything to do with the person. And so that's immediate feedback. And so we get to coach the person in wow. that moment to say, so what is really happening? And when they, when they can kind of start to breathe, and we also do some things where they check in with their body, most people aren't very connected to their bodies, <laughs> and they start to try some different things and reveal what is happening and they have that that shift and the horse just like Susan did then they get that nervous system learning and that's more than cognitive learning which is why this leadership development process we do with leaders is so powerful and teams and so they, when they're back in the office they have that felt sense of wait a minute I can be congruent here and people start to notice and respond differently
1: yeah, it's like, why is this happening? Everybody loves me.
2: So, <laughs> what are some of the conflicts that they have on a professional baseball team and how they deal with that?
3: <laughs> well, we weren't working with the players. We were working oh, okay. with the executive team. And, yeah, and that was kind of um, a bit ex- exciting. I have
4: to tell you, though, the first time, this is Susan, Chris Marie went down to, oh, to work with them. I, I couldn't come, and normally we go together. And even though she's the Olympian, she has no business in most other sports, or
3: no knowledge. And so, when they brought out the, uh, well, they were all wearing their big rings, and uh, and so we went for a drink afterwards. And Larry said, "Hey, you want to try on the rings?" And so I put on the, their three rings, and I'm like, "Oh, the Super Bowl rings." <laughs> oh, know. <why> oh. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, Super Bowl is yeah, bigger sure. to me. You know, I was just thinking that, and I'm no. like, "Oh no, oh yeah." <laughs> They I, were very kind mm. to me.
2: <laughs> it's the Super Bowl of baseball. Right, there, <laughs> the you Bowl. there you go.
3: <laughs> World Series rings. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> that ballpark is one of Lee and I went to a game there.
2: Well, one we of love our favorite ballpark. ballparks.
1: And I grew up in Chicago, so Wrigley Field and Cubs oh, are my. Wow. And, and I grew up a Cincinnati fan,
2: so it's like you know we got big red machine and all that. But it's like I fell out of love <laughs> of baseball with, after the Pete Rose fiasco, oh. and mm. but it's like when I started going to. Uh, that ballpark out in San Francisco. It's like, yeah, it's like, I, I take everybody you know, with me and we, we go to the ballpark. It's like, I, I know I have my favorite seats, my fa- favorite places to go. It's uh, great. We, so we've it.
4: had the privilege of going down there and working with various parts of the, of, of their operations. And we're always have, this office on the field, like just up above, it's kind of cool. We and get then to they, they, very cool. They took
3: us out to the mound <laughs> yeah. and we got to stand on the mound. Wow. It was so cool.: That
1: was super cool. <laughs> it was. We, got, we got a few minutes left. Thrive Inc. is the name of your company. Um, so those of you that want to reach out to Susan and Chris Marie, that's how you can get a hold of them. What, is, what does it mean when you guys say, if you don't deal with conflict and embrace the beauty of it? then things go, what did you say, come out of you sideways. What does that mean, coming out of me sideways?
3: Well, that could be, it kind of goes underground. So if I can't, if I don't feel like uh, we can talk, I'm going to actually talk about you to somebody else. And that we actually call, um, it it creates a toxic culture and we call it cancer in the organization because it really starts to erode the trust and breaks down the relationships. And so I can also, to your face, I might be more passive aggressive, like, sure, I'll do that. And then I never follow through because our, relationship is broken down because I don't feel like I can be honest to you. Mm -hmm. And so learning, teaching people how to actually speak up and also deal, we deal with um, helping them settle their nervous system. So because we were trained to deal with conflict before, you know, before we got probably five feet tall, (laughs) you know, as little kids. Mm -hmm. And those are, those uh, reactions are still inside of us. So we support people being more responsive and increasing their capacity to deal with differences where
2: well, you've got that fight or flight mentality yeah, exactly because yeah.
4: yeah. now you know a lot of times in cultures the person that's the loudest is just is feeling just as threatened as the person who is silent
2: what do you and mean by that
4: <laughs> 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 and and that person usually will never admit it <laughs> but, <laughs> but um but it you know and so it really is sort of helpful to begin to recognize um and work with it differently than what we've ever been taught. Yeah. And so that's something
3: we're... And and this is, you know, I was a conflict avoider from day one because I grew up with a, you know, a scary dad. And so, but I have learned the value of hanging in. And when when we work with groups and teams to actually hear the different perspectives, they come up with amazing results that never would happen if it was just the leader speaking or the loudest member. So it's very really powerful.
1: I was going to say that the, the quiet person as a television news reporter, when I did that for a living, that was the one we always, well, that's the, okay. You get sent to the live shot for the serial killer down the street, <laughs> in my neighborhood. And you go to get your MOS, your man on the street interview. Mm-hmm. And what do they always say? I don't know. He's such a quiet guy. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what to <laughs> say. The quiet <laughs> ones, uh, yeah. the quiet ones are the ones you really got to look out for. <laughs> that's true. I have one
2: last question for you. It's like, I, I, what tip do you give most often to, to managers of teams as far as managing conflict? What would be the one takeaway that our listeners could, could take from this way and start using today to better manage conflict?
3: How about we, we can we each give you one? Absolutely. Sure. Okay. So um, mine would be actually to, before you respond, reflect back what you're hearing because too often we jump and want to give our other opinion without actually slowing down and saying, so it sounds like what you're telling me is blah, blah, blah. Do you know, do, did I get it right? Tell me where I'm wrong. Like giving a lot of space because that creates a lot as adults, we don't need to get our way, but we do need to feel heard and considered. And that goes a long way for helping people feel heard and considered.
4: Um, This is Susan. I think what I would say, I mean, I love that one, but I'm going to go with a slightly different one. And it's like, bring curiosity. Choose to be curious instead of right. And really see if you can understand the other person's position. Because a lot of times there's something great to offer. And that curiosity comes when you're willing to really check it out. Check out your story. Check out your assumptions. Don't just stay in assuming you you have the you already know. Get no matter curious, how Get not smart furious. Yeah. Yes, that's great. Oh, you're giving <laughs> us a good, good line. Yeah, right? there
1: you go. <laughs> that's um, the new, web, maybe add a second website. There you go. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that sounds like a book to me. Let's it does. Yeah. Well,
1: I thank you guys for coming and everybody get the, get the two books, get both of the books. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Beauty of Conflict, Harnessing Your Team's Competitive Advantage. The Beauty of Conflict, Couples, if you would like to hire these two amazing ladies, ThriveInc.com is the website can't thank you both enough for being on the show this is been- oh it,
3: it's delightful yes. thank you for having us yes. we really appreciate it
0: thanks for listening if you enjoyed the show please rate and recommend on itunes overcast or wherever you get your podcasts you can also get more great information at salesfuel.com